from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, a look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I am your co-host, Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the mouth. Good evening, Mowgli. Hello there, mouth, (laughs) and happy Chinese New Year to you. Whoa! (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Happy Chinese New Year, the year of the ox. They reward hard workers. So everyone listening, work hard. We will all be rewarded. I like it. Well, without further ado, it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. One that had a deep impact on our adolescence and gave us a different look on what it means to be a size 16 in women's clothing. Are you about a size 14? We're talking about the 1991 crime thriller, The Silence of the Lambs. Doctor Lecter. Yeah, oh my goodness. (laughs) What a scary movie for me growing up. This was one of my favorite movies growing up. You're a very unusual boy, aren't you? Really? Yeah, I was never scared of this movie. You know, okay, I can probably kind of see why you're saying that, because you were scared of Child's Play and all these other ones. The horror more in Science of the Lambs is more psychological and more of a thriller. Would you say that's probably why you weren't as scared? I guess, too. You know, like, I like I know what we talked about during our Child's Play one, um, I, and I said it there. It's like, I think because I came from a good home. That, like, that external kind of violence scared me because I never had that in my house. But then somehow it's like, how do I like this menacing character? This menacing character doesn't scare me. Because he's charming and charismatic. Next thing you know, (laughs) your liver's gone. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. The log line. A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer. A madman who skins his victims. Dun, dun, dun. This was directed by Jonathan Dem. It was written by Ted Talley, at least the screenplay was, and it was based off of a novel by a gentleman named Thomas Harris. Fantastic cast. We obviously cannot leave out Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. They're both 1A, 1B. They make the characters. They make the movie. They're credited for why we're still talking about this and and the universe that they expanded because the anniversary of this film is coming up, right? Mm -hmm. When is it? Uh, Coming up actually on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Bummer. Okay, so that's coming up. We have a new series called Clarice and... This is also a 1992 five-time Oscar winner. It won an Oscar for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role, Anthony Hopkins, Best Actress in a Leading Role, Jodie Foster, Best Director, Jonathan Demme, Best Writing Screenplay Based on Material Previously Published, Ted Talley. Oh, my God, dude. That's like a... That's a filmmaker's gold right there. Beyond the hat trick, like yeah. a five-by-five five The EGOT. Like, it's just an EGOT kind of thing of just that. Like, one movie, guys. And I think there's only been three other movies that have ever done this, have won the five major awards it's been in and for us like and i know for me a lot of it is the acting oh yeah yeah, a lot of it is for sure i told like we said these characters make the movie this is called movies we were way too young to see so let's get into it how old were you when you first saw this film i was no older than 10 years old this was 
one of those movies for sure that was in the library. You know, oh, like that, you're a library boy. Hashtag library boys. <laughs> it was one of it. The cover always got me there. You know, the like, cover is crazy. Oh, that, 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 Jodie Foster's a washed out white face with the that yellow moth. Yeah, uh, it scared me. And then one thing I didn't know for the longest too is that when you look into the moth, that it's actually two naked ladies in the eyes. What? Yeah, it's a Salvador Dali uh, painting. Cool. That they adapted it for the poster. The more you know. Yeah, but for sure, this is that's why I can't pinpoint it. This is another one of those childhood movies that the library, uh, TNT, TBS, AMC, when I finally got cable, this this movie was on every weekend. I would remember. This is one of the movies where no matter what part, I was sucked in. Dude, I had no idea you were this much of a fan. Like, this is all breaking news to me right now. I, I didn't know you were this passionate. I love it, though. I love it. I got to give a trigger warning to everybody, though. I sound insane when I talk about this movie because I've talked about it before. People are like, why do you love this? I, I love this movie. The character, the Anthony Hopkins. That was good. Crazy-ass movie. Pacing so quick for being at least two hours long, you know? I was a bit younger than you. I think I was about five when I saw this. Five or six. Yeah, I'm saying, I, like, literally, this was my God. This Terminator 2 and then Science of the Lambs was quickly soon after. I saw it at my uncle's house. He had the VHS. He put it on the top shelf so I couldn't get to it, but I just got a little chair and I watched right. it. Yeah, it scared me. I don't know what was it about the... Was it the subject matter? I mean, I think I was too young to understand mm. what was really going on. Just the, the, the score... I think, and his presence, and then when we get to, we're going to talk about it later when Hannibal Lecter escapes. Oh my! That that oh, traumatized me beyond belief. Oh, that traumatized you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you oh my! We have a lot to talk about then. I think we should psychoanalyze you, Melv. That was my doctor, Lecter. Oh, I got to yeah? work on it. A therapist once tried to psychoanalyze me. What happened? I had him with some fat burger. <laughs> <laughs> some fat burger and a nice forty ounce. Another cool thing, though, as traumatizing as this was for me, it actually did introduce me to Tom Petty, an American girl. She was an American girl. So that's always something cool to, to, to figure out. Every time I heard that song after on the radio, I was like, oh, yeah, Signs of the Lambs. Is someone going to get their face smashed in with, uh, a, with a broken cast right now? <laughs> you like, got me. I was just about to say, were you going to hit somebody right after you heard some Tom Petty? Our, uh. our parents told us how many times do not help people in vans. My mom always said that. So. She said, Malvito, never help anybody into a van. Go, do not do this. <laughs> I use me. Fortunately, she was spared. Her life was spared. Mm-hmm. But what a roller coaster of a ride that young hostage was. She was in the well. Yeah. She had a little puppy. A little girl. She got the, the lotion. Well. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Okay, so. Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter. He is that character. I'm not sure who's more important to the franchise, though. Who do you think? That's such a tough question. Yeah. It's like, no, it, it was a dumb question. You think it's dumb? Yeah. Who is it? It's Hopkins? It's Hannibal. It's Anthony Hopkins is that character. You like him, too. Why are there, like, three spinoffs called Hannibal? Well, there's he, a spinoff right now called Clarice. It took, like, 30 years to make it. <laughs> 29, bro. This was came out in 91. No, but, like, just even having, like, that. Actually, 30, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Stupid me. <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> but no, it's it's like that, you know, like that. I'm I'm not gonna knock it on on Jodie Foster. Beautiful acting. She deserved the Oscar. But I'm gonna give you this. How the hell does Anthony Hopkins win Best Acting? And he was literally a supporting role. He's just that good. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Mic drop right there. <laughs>
Regardless, they both made this film, and if it wasn't for both of their success and their chemistry, none of this spinoffs, none of this whole universe would have existed. Uh, true. I, I agree cold-heartedly with that. Yeah. Cold-heartedly? I did. You cold-hearted <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah, Jodie Foster, though, um, she wasn't going to be like a fragile FBI agent, and like I had said earlier with Terminator 2 and this film, they kind of go hand-in-hand hand with their female protagonists. I didn't even know it at the time. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's, this is a character, and we're following them, but... I guess I didn't know how impactful that was and how like uh, important in cinema history that that those two performances were. I'm with you with that. I didn't even know that till like I was older, you know. Like, and I guess that's the beauty of being a kid watching these movies, right? You don't have these preconceived notions about anything. You're just watching a story with the character, and I think that'd be like a perfect transition to our first scene where we actually do see both these top notch actors act with each other. A but, quaint introduction. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? uh, one of the things that I didn't notice and then I watched it later on was how crazy like stereotypical like psycho the uh, the other inmates or the other patients mm. were and then when you get to Lecter he's all calm cool collected and just like a total cerebral yeah a criminal you wouldn't even think of because before the scene right here is uh, Clarice's first introduction introduction to Lecter but she has to walk through this dingy ass hallway with like four other inmates and I love how you said it like yeah all of these people look like the people you would think would be in a prison like this like, or a psychiatric like ward. Nest. Straight up, you know. And once you get to Lecter, my favorite part, and him just standing there and just like that pose, you know, like yeah. And you're just like, oh my god, who the? Why is this man here? And then you hear him. Is this Clarice? Fuck, that's that's evil, you know. Like that, that's evil or that's menacing, powerful, you know. Like fuck that other cuckoo. That it just stands out. It's different. Yeah. You forgot though the hair jail scene in this movie. <laughs> Is that a hair gel? Well, that's what she left. Miggs, <laughs> Miggs greets her. Yeah. I didn't know what he was doing at the time, but uh, Miggs was furiously masturbating, and then once he climaxes, he throws his semen at Clarice. And as a youngster, <laughs> I was like, what is that? I didn't know. No, same me. I was like, because she, like, obviously it's fucking disturbing, and I, I didn't know what it was as a kid. I was like, man, just wipe it off. Like, why are you crying? <laughs> like, what is that? It's just boogers. <laughs> There's a lot of white boogers on her. Oh, gosh. No, but, like, even just that right before that, the introduction of that scene, it's, like, the lines, the direction. I love what Dem does with both of them, that he focuses on their, their face, closes up their face. You know, he, he lets the acting, you know, show. You know, because I feel that there's not a lot of words or a lot comes from Hannibal not talking, not doing anything. It's just him His being, mannerisms. Yeah, just him being, you know. And there's one thing I got, and I didn't even know before last night, but I guess Anthony Hopkins, one of the characteristics that he wanted for Hannibal was to not blink. And he got that from reptiles, that reptiles consciously blink. He's a cold-hearted bastard. So he does it as a character, and you see that. And and Dem, the director, you see it when he does the close-up through the bars or through, like, the the see-through plexiglass, you know? And same, I love the the difference between the close-ups in those scenes because obviously Hannibal, well-educated, he's well-secured, you know, he knows who he is, he is this powerful being, even though he's locked up, and then you get the other view, the juxtaposition of seeing Jodie Foster and how good her acting is because she switches from being completely vulnerable in those scenes, you can see it in her face where she's scared, she's timid, she doesn't know what she's in, but then there's points in it where she's like, that strong-willed character that you love, you know, that T2, it's like, no, yeah. you know? 
I feel like Lecter pushes her to that level, though, too. Because when she gets in there before all that, you see all those flashbacks of, of, of her walking to her father's casket. Lecter mm, makes, uh, her, hey. he makes her confront those feelings. That was the first introduction, though. Another scene that we want to talk about, we had teased it earlier, Hannibal Lecter's escape. Oh. My goodness, did this scare me? One of the oh. it scared me as a kid, but then rewatching it now, I was like, "Whoa, man! This dude is like literally playing like 3D chess." How kind of you! I like that. Basically, Lecter is transported to like this like courthouse, right, or something. Yeah. Like he's getting his dinner, lamb chops, extra rare, and then he pretends to be dead. So that's when the prison guards open it and like, "Oh my goodness, he's not dead!" Yeah. And then he like bites, ambushes yeah. them and he bites one of the faces off. I like. Oh. Intense. I'm going to bite his face <laughs> off. <laughs> Shout out Nick Cage, face off. This is one of those scenes, character-wise, I'm viscerally in there. Um, you guys listening, Mowgli, I don't know if you, but like sometimes when you listen to music or you're like in a certain heightened like ecstasy state. Yeah, music, music you, alters and, your And state. that's what I see that like when Anthony Hopkins is doing it and when he's beating the first guard with the baton. And what I see is just pure power strokes. Just somebody who knows he's in control, but it reminds me of beauty, like a composer, conductor. You know, just he's doing something beautiful to him. To us, it's fucking jarring. But in him, he's in that soul state of ecstasy, and you see it in, in that You don't face. even see like, the you, actual the beating. beating. Yeah. You just see splats of blood hit his shirt and his face, and then you have that music. And are they zooming in kind yeah. of? Yeah, the close-ups. They, you know, it's all in the acting, bro. It's all acting. Well, well the cinematography was yeah. really good in that, too. I think both of them work hand-in-hand, hand. and the score, too. That was just like a very iconic moment. Sequence. It's yeah. a beautiful sequence because there's so much that keeps going on, you know? For sure, for sure. And it, then after that, he bites the dude's face off, and then he switches the bodies. So he puts his like a uh, prison attire, and he do- he puts that dude on top of the elevator. So it's like he's trying to escape, and then he puts on the prison guard uniform with the deformed, mangled yeah. face. And I'm just like, whoa! When that reveal happens, yeah. when it's like, yo, that's not Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter is in the ambulance. Dang, that, that tripped me a, out. That was a big ass twist. But for me, that also showed Anthony Hopkins' brilliance as Hannibal Lecter. So one thing that I noticed rewatching last night that I was like, oh my God, I've never seen this in, you know, YouTube videos or anybody talking about it. But Hopkins does this great thing of detail. So like you said, he has pretended now to be the injured cop. So the ambulance, the paramedics, they have put him on a stretcher, Anthony Hopkins, but they don't know he's the cop. And they're mulling around talking while he's still in the stretcher. And they're just talking about like, where is Lecter? Where, you know, like, but this beauty comes in of acting. And I don't know if it's, you know Anthony Hopkins are dead but he just starts violently shaking like convulsing convulsing and it's yeah. like then that's when the parents man we gotta go we gotta you know we gotta go but like if you really watch it and understand it it's like that's the beauty of Hannibal's mind look what he did he pre- he knows what situation he's pretending is. exactly he's pretending to yeah. be the injured like security pr- mm-hmm. prison guard so he's like shaking convulsing oh we're losing we're yeah. losing let's get out of let's here get let's get out of here because he wants to get out too he's like the longer I stay here as this person they might catch me so I caught that, and I'm just like, that's fucking beautiful. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, and then it adds up. Like, all those sequences keep adding up. Like, especially the reveal, too, when in the ambulance when he takes off. The- he literally takes the face yeah, off, and I'm just know? like, whoa. And then that's when he finds out he escapes. And, and Yeah, I, I, I find it surprising that you were scared of that because I was such a baby with, like, horror films growing up. And, like, this was Well, it was like a hospital scene or like and all that stuff. I was scared of do- doctors <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. Another thing that I really want to mention, too, is the final kind of interaction between Buffalo Bill and Clarice, and he shuts off all the lights, so he gets these night vision goggles, and immediately, 
the first thing I saw when I rewatched it for this was, hey, this reminds me of a Call of Duty mission. <laughs> like literally like the Modern Warfare game where you're just all in night vision goggles and then you have your weapons and you're like shooting a mission like that. So it was just another layer. I was like, whoa, that's super cool how you guys incorporated this in the 90s and then it's, it's still relevant in, in video games, albeit like a different kind of genre. Yeah. No, it was definitely uh, fucking random. I still haven't really seen that in movies. Like, you know, well done at least. Mm-hmm. Especially being the final, final scenes of a movie like this all crescendos, you know, especially this scene too. It's like, yeah. you would think this he reaches scene... out, but why doesn't he grab her? Why doesn't he do it? Why I... doesn't he kill her? He has the opportunity. Why do you think he didn't kill her? I think in my own personal like theory, I haven't heard this. My own thoughts and thing is I think Bill sees her as weak and stuff like as, you know, not worthy. Really? That's why he's fucking with her. Really? Like, cause if he really was a hardcore killer, you would think, He'd shoot her right there when he had the chance, but he's kind of messing with her, kind of like, because he is a predator, you know? Is it like, like a mouse playing with a cat? I would say that, yes, I would say that to his perspective, but us as the audience know that that Clarice really isn't that mouse. You she's know? not she, timid, no. She's not, you By know? this time, she's already evolved into that next level. She's broken out of her cocoon. Yes, and then the hit at this, so that's why I feel like, Bill doesn't know that, you know, because he thinks of all women as... I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I, what do I know? I just know how to kill people and skin them. And because he takes those three days all the time to finish off his his prey, his kills. So I think that's part of it too, you know? We had mentioned Buffalo Bill right there. Let's get into it. It's not a Science of the Lamb podcast unless we talk about... So this scene has been recreated so many times. I think of Jay and Silent Bob. They did it. Iconic. And I think of Family Guy. They did it too. I think Chris Griffin, oh, okay. uh, he, he, did, he did a funny parody of this. Oh, but this is a well, even Hannibal Lecter's look, the face mask, the white suit, you know, like, you know, something is really good when everything parodies it. I didn't really know what that meant as a kid either. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> side quest real quick. Like I remember listening to Nine Inch Nails Closer, and I was like, I want to fuck you like an animal. I remember asking my aunt, I was like, what does that mean? She's like, nothing. It means they want to fight. I was like, okay, sure. I want to fuck a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Mal, you're crazy. I mean, that scene is obviously iconic. It makes that character. You kind of understand a little bit of his. I don't know. Is is he? Do you feel sorry for him that he wants to be a woman so bad, or what? What do you think about oh. Buffalo Bill? No, I don't feel sorry for him at all. Who's the, who's who's the bigger <laughs> villain in this? Lecter worse than Buffalo Bill, or what's going on? I say yes. You think Lecter is worse? Than oh Buffalo no 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 Bill? no! I think Buffalo Bill is worse. Okay, you know, but I think a lot of people won't say that because they always feel that Lecter is a genius, super smart, cunning person. So they feel that I always feel that people think that's. You more think scary. the intelligence is kind of like gives him a pass a little bit? Well, I I think it gives him a pass to be more. People think it's more menacing, but for me, a Buffalo Bill character is more menacing because that person doesn't have any control, right? Like he only attacks one type of person, but that type of body, that type of person is going to get attacked sooner or later. You don't know when, but at least with Lecter, you essentially kind of know that you brought your death upon yourself. You know what I mean? And I think that's why I don't find him scary. Lecter is the reason why there's still a universe He's compelling and charming enough, and that's kind of what I take from this too. Like, like we say it's influential and stuff like that. So this is one of the most influential things. You always want your villain or your antagonist to be more compelling than your protagonist. And there's so many layers under this. And you know, he, he's charismatic, he's intelligent, he's smart. But guess what? He'll eat your spleen. Yeah. 
So, well, um, well, the thing is, it's just so hard to do that. You know that as well. I know everybody who's listening who's a writer and a director or any kind of creative, you know, to try to create a certain character. But villains, especially for me, is one of those ca- kind of characters hard to write, right? You want to write. They have to be uh, so good. Yeah, they you have know. To be so good. We've seen so many adaptations fall, even though we've read the original source. Like, wow, how'd you fuck up that character? You know, but it feels like with all three of these guys, Harris, uh, Dem, and uh, Ted, like, they just kept adding on to the character, and that's what made the character so iconic that it is now. Yes, yes. They did that, though, but I think most of the credit needs to go to Anthony Hopkins. How kind of you. I like that. Because that's what it is. It's Most of the time, it's really good acting that makes a good film. So another thing, too, I want to just mention. Remember the little cross-eyed guy? He's asking oh, Clary. Yeah. If we go out for cheeseburgers and beer. Are you hitting on me, Doc? Yes. Shoot your shot, buddy. I like. I love it. I, love I it. liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. Well, he's it all of us. Um, we had mentioned this turned into a Hannibal Lecter universe. Let's talk about the rest of these films. Oh, I love them. We got Red Dragon. We got Hannibal. Oh. Hannibal Rising. We got Clarice, which we just mentioned. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a new TV Coming show. Up. What was the other? Show? Hannibal Rising. Hannibal Rising. God. And Hannibal God. the show. So, I think my favorite one after this. I'm gonna put. Silence of the Lambs 1, and then I'm going to put Red Dragon 2 for me. Ooh. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I loved him. You know, he got his tongue bicked off. He got oh, his tongue bit off. Yeah. Remember that? And oh, he, that wheelchair thing. He's stuck in the oh, wheelchair, shit. and he's just, like, literally set on fire. <laughs> he's running down the hill. Oh, uh, what is it? Ed Norton. Brutal. Super big fan of Ed Norton. Uh, Ralph Fiennes. Is that Ralph Fiennes? Yeah, yeah, he so, was fucking good in that. So, yeah, I, I, I thought that was a really good sequel. And then, well, it was a prequel, actually, because yeah, the end Grant. of that film is, like, bring her in. So, what about you? I love this IP. I think it's fucking yeah, well you, done. Yeah, I had no idea, dude. You are literally, like, blowing my mind right now. I didn't know well, how hardcore well, you were. Well, the thing with Lecter, too, it's just, like, these characters, that's how you could tell Anthony Hopkins' fucking acting was so good because every sequel or every spinoff after, he is a focus or is still in it. You know what I mean? And for me, I'll go with the second movie, not really the first one. Ah, Silence smart ass. <laughs> Wise ass. But, um, yeah, I'm going to put Silence of the Lambs. I'm going to, for me, number two, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack from this shit, but the TV show Hannibal is the second one for me. Interesting. Way, I actually uh, never seen it. You like it? Yes. If you guys actually love Silence of the Lambs, if you love Anthony Hopkins' portrayal, you need to see Hannibal, the TV show. Uh, Matt, it's I on Netflix, fuck, right? Yeah. I always fuck his name up. Mad Milkinson. Yeah. Something like he that. He plays Hannibal, and he picks it up well. He gives you that... Beautiful, charming, intelligent doctor with that crazy, menacing eating habit, you know? Uh, but after that, I'm with you. Red Dragon was one of my fucking favorites. I remember Fines, watching that in theaters. Fines was, you saw that in theaters? Yeah, I saw it with my mom and my Damn, sister. Damn, <laughs> fuck. Lucky ass bastard. This one took me a long time to watch. But yeah, Fines played a dope serial killer. Or a, the Red Dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, who was the, the blind woman? She was a really funny... Uh, she wasn't remember. funny, but she was a good actor as well. I can't remember who it was. Okay. Well, but then... Oh, well, uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Rising, and I leave Manhunter with Hannibal Rising. I didn't really like Manhunter. All right. Well, before we head out of here, we were super fortunate enough to get a wonderful guest that is a part of this movie, a staple of this franchise. Malv, go ahead and take it away. All right, guys. This is for you, listeners. We got the one, the only FBI agent... Clarice Sterling right here with us. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you, Mal. Thank you, Mowgli. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Clarice. I know you're you're taking time out of your busy schedule. I hope I pronounced your last name right. I always mess it up. Don't worry. You're not the only one. I understand. 
Well, I know you're under a lot of time constraint. We have a lot of questions to ask you. We'll say that for another time, but we do have a caller who wants to talk to you, and we're wondering if you could take a phone call for with one of our listeners. A, a phone call? I mean, this wasn't discussed, but, I mean, sure. I, I'm, I'm more than willing to. All right, thank you. Okay, um, we're going to get the caller ready. Caller? Good evening, Clarice. <sighs> Dr. Lecter. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. I haven't heard from you in over 30 years. What do you want? I came halfway around the world to watch you run. Do you know where I am? Of course. Are you going to hurt me? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, then what the hell do you want from me? Oh, now you're being rude, and I hate rude people. Did you breastfeed her? What the hell are you talking about? I'm not even pregnant. Okie dokie. You think Jack Crawford wants you sexually? Um... That's going to conclude it for today's episode of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, yeah? Yeah, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. Please, if you liked what you heard, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Please rate us five stars if you listen on Apple. Questions, comments, or anything like that, email us at malvinmogley at gmail.com. One more thing, follow us on social media, will you? At malv underscore n underscore mogley. See you next week.